Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here in St Paul's and to be speaking to you wherever you are across the country. And thank you to Paul and Sarah and Grace for that reading, which is um, leading into this, the third in our series of sermons on the book of Ephesians. We had um, two cracking sermons the last couple of weeks, first from Dale and then from Leslie. And if you haven't listened to those, I would really, really recommend that you do go onto YouTube and have a listen because there's lots of amazing stuff to, to listen to and to pull out of this book. And the big idea for today is that not all Christians are like me, and that's okay. I wonder if you um, remember a time when the word bubble wasn't a verb, when it wasn't connected to the word support. I first started thinking about the concept of a bubble on the 24th of June 2016. Some of you will immediately know what that date was and others won't, and that's okay. I have to admit, I did have to look the date up myself. But that date was the day that we learned the result of the UK referendum on whether we were leaving or staying in the European Union. And I woke up on that morning and I turned on the news and I was completely shocked at the result. I didn't know anybody who'd voted to leave or... I'm sure I did know people who had voted to leave, but I didn't know anybody well enough to have had a debate about it. Every news article I'd read was pro-Remain. Just very aware I'm giving away my politics here. I'm sure they're a shock to all of those of you who know me. The articles that I read online meant that through that horrible, terrifying thing of algorithms, every time I googled a piece of information about the referendum, I was shown news pieces that were like my own, opinions that were like my own. And on the 24th of June 2016, I was faced with the reality that I'd surrounded myself with a bubble of people who thought like me. And the realisation that actually I wasn't in the majority was a shock for me and for many other people. And over the next weeks and months, um, it was a shock when I read the news and read articles and views of people who had voted to leave that the reason many of them gave for their vote was because they felt excluded and they felt disillusioned, looked down upon, felt to be less important by a system that they believed was London-centric and was elitist. They believed that people like me felt that way. And over the last few years, we've seen that reinforced by many, many people who voted to remain, who have called the people who voted to leave racist, stupid, and naive. And in the last few years, as we've then had the rise and consequent fall um, of Donald Trump as President of the United States, it's felt more and more like a two-tiered system in our society. It's felt more and more like it's us and it's them. And the wake-up call for me and for many others began that day. In the reading we've heard this morning, we, we read, um, I think, a wake-up call that Paul is giving to the church in Ephesus. The Ephesian church is mainly made up of people who came from a Gentile background, and that means that they were not from a Jewish background. And Paul is writing to encourage them in their faith, 
because he knows that many of the early Christians were uncertain about whether Christianity was just for people who were Jewish or that people who were Christians but weren't from a Jewish background felt that they were less special to God, that they were looked down on by other people. And Paul wants the church in Ephesus to know that they are just as special to God, just as loved, just as called. He wants them to know that everybody who believes in Christ is the same. Not everyone who is... um, is a Christian comes from a Jewish background. Not every Christian man has been circumcised, but that that's okay. They might be different in their opinions and in their views and in their backgrounds, but what Jesus has done for every Christian means that the faith they have in common is bigger than their differences. We're 2,000 years on now, and I think it's safe to say that most of us don't think that you have to have been circumcised as a man to be a Christian, and I'm sure that's a relief for many people. Um, And if we think of things that are more up to date, I would guess that most of us who attend an Anglican church don't think that somebody who comes who hasn't been baptised and confirmed into the Church of England isn't an actual Christian. But I do think that many of us, and I would include myself in this, are still running the risk of living like the Christians were in the time that Paul's writing, where we're still surrounding ourselves with people who think like we do, who live lives like we do, and we're not engaging with people who may express their faith differently. I was reading a commentator, Carl Fever, who wrote on this passage, and he said, The circumcised and the uncircumcised are two separate groups within humanity, according to our author. While it would be incorrect to say these groups had no interaction, it's important to understand that they did not sit at the same table together. They were not interested in sharing life. And it's so easy to see how that happened because it's so easy to do. If we're all honest, it's nicer and it's easier to spend our lives with people who are like us. It's nicer and it's easier to not have to argue about the rights and wrongs or the, what we believe about different politics or different systems. It's nicer to be surrounded by people who are the same age as us, have the same income level as us, have a similar family set up to us, have the same views on life. There's more to talk about. We don't have to explain ourselves as much. We know that we're understood. We know we're comfortable in that position and we get the support that we need. But I don't think it's how the church should be. One of the real sadnesses, I think, about lockdown is that we've all engaged with far fewer people during this time. Our worlds have become smaller and that includes through church. When we were meeting in the building together, we would see different people. And even if it was just a quick conversation while you were waiting to get a cup of coffee, you'd have a conversation with somebody. You'd know a bit more about what was happening with them. They might not be people you'd think about during the rest of the week. They might not be people you'd think of as your friends. But they were people who were different to us. They were people who we probably haven't really kept in touch with over the last year. Lockdown has given all of us an excuse to 
ignore the people that we want to. And I don't think that's because any of us are cruel. But do you know what? The last year's been hard. It's been really hard. And I think for a lot of us, we've wanted and needed to surround ourselves with easy people. We haven't had the mental or emotional bandwidth to cope with people who are difficult or different. And as I say, it's not because we're cruel, but it's just because for all of us, it's easier and it's nicer to chat with our friends, to chat with those people who understand us and who reinforce our way of life. The PCC are currently looking at equality, diversity and inclusion at St Paul's and um, those of you who filled in the congregational survey will have seen that there were some questions about that um, in, in, those, in that survey and um, because I'm working on that project I've been able to look at the answers to those questions and a clear theme that came out is that people do think, most of us think that St Paul's is a welcoming and a friendly church which is great because I think it is. But there were some really, really sad comments from people who said it can feel cliquey or it's welcoming if you, are, if you have a family or people who said that they think that we're able to be welcoming because our church isn't really challenging our, our way of life because most people who come to this church are white, they're middle class, they're pretty well off, they're heterosexual, they're able-bodied. And of course that's not the complete picture. There are people who come to our church who don't fit into those groups. But through this piece of work we want to look at why it is that our church family isn't very diverse, to look at what the blockers are that stop us being more inclusive to more people to look at why people who are coming to this church might feel that they're not included in things. And we're also about to start a really exciting time in our life as a church because Ellie Hughes starts working as our communities pastor next month. And Ellie's role is to reach out into our local community and help us to get to know people there and to hopefully share life with them and also to help us as an existing congregation to really build community with one another, to go deeper in relationship. And if Ellie's role goes as we hope it will, we're about to start forming much deeper relationships with, much more pe- with many more people. We're going, I believe, to go closer to the model of the early church in which the believers shared a deep and a lasting bond with one another. And that's exciting, but do you know what? I think that's, that's pretty scary as well because that means we're going to have to get to know people who aren't like us, people who may not vote the way that we do or worship the way we do, people who might earn their money differently to how we do, or spend their time differently to us. I was on the interview panel for um, the community pastor role, and one of the things Ellie said in her interview really struck me. She was saying that she felt really strongly that the way that new people feel at home in a church is when they have a role, when they've got something to do that makes them feel that they belong. But that quite often in church, we stop people from getting stuck in until they've proved their faith. 
And I've thought about that a lot. And I thought it's almost as if we think that in order to serve the coffee or to read the Bible reading, you have to have completed the Alpha course. You have to have joined the electoral roll. You have to have dropped some of those key Christian words like washed in the blood of the lamb into your conversations. And I don't think that's how we should be doing it. In the early days of the church, the Gentiles, the people that Paul was writing to in Ephesus, were seen as second-class citizens because they hadn't been circumcised, because they ate food that Jewish Christians didn't. Let's not fall into that same trap in 21st century Kingston. Let's not expect people who want to know more about Jesus, who want to start exploring life as a Christian and as part of a church family to complete an arbitrary tick list of the things that they need to do as a Christian so that they're like we are as Christians. But instead, let's be humble. Let's be humble enough to recognise that our way might not be right. Or, do you know what, there might not be a right way. There might just be the beauty of people who are different, who have different lives, different experiences, who are living together. Again, Carl Fever writes, we, even in the church, should not presume that those outsiders need to become like us. The church should be a light that paves the way by welcoming both Jew and Gentile, uniting them into God's mission in Christ. And of course, there is a time and a place to have conversations about living lives that reflect the teaching of the Bible, lives that are pleasing to God. There's a time and a place to discuss whether people might be living in ways that aren't doing that. But as Leslie preached last week, the letter of Ephesians is full of grace. And that's where we need our starting point to be in these conversations. We need grace and we need humility. We need to be prepared to hold the mirror up to ourselves and think about where we're not getting it right in our lives. We can't start with the assumption that we're right and people who come to our church need to be like us. But we need to start at the point of loving one another because God loves us. I'd love to see us being a church that sees the value in everyone, no matter who they are, no matter their ethnicity, their age, their gender, their sexuality, their ability, their educational background, their income level. I'd love to see us being a church in which every person knows that they will experience the love of Christ when they come in through our doors. If we're brave enough to do that, then things might not always run as smoothly as we'd like. Somebody wrote in the congregational survey, that they felt we were welcoming, but would we be welcoming if there were lots of people who were coming to our church who made things a bit messy? And I think that's a challenging question for us, because if we're going to be welcoming, if we're going to be a church that lives together, no matter our experiences, it will sometimes be messy, but it will be authentic and loving and open. Because what draws us together and unites us is the blood of Christ. God has made us all. He's created us unique. He's created us individually, but created to be his children. And if we believe in Christ, then his blood, the blood of the lamb, if you will, has washed us clean. And it makes all of us who believe in him into a family. 
And at the end of the day, our differences are insignificant when you compare it to that. Because the amazing gospel, the amazing good news of Christianity is that what unites us as a church family is grace and it's love. And in Jesus, we have got access to unlimited supplies of both of those things. They'll help us to love one another despite our differences. And in fact, to appreciate the differences and to learn. Verse 21 of our passage says, In him the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We've been really, really forced to understand this year that when Paul is talking about the building, he doesn't literally mean the church building. He means the body of the church, each and every one of us. And in those words, he's stating that the whole church is joined together, all of us. The image of us joined together and rising to become a holy temple is beautiful. It's strong and powerful because we're united in our shared love and our vision for God. It's standing together despite those differences because of what God has done for us. And despite their differences is key. Because it's interesting to say that Paul, to, to note that Paul doesn't say that the Christians will all become the same. The title for this passage um, in the letter is Jew and Gentile Reconciled Through Christ. They're still Jews, they're still Gentiles, but they're reconciled, they're united. They still bring their background knowledge, their experience, their ways of life, but they live together peacefully with the recognition that nobody is better than the other. So the big idea for today is that not all Christians will be like me and that that is okay. Let's see our differences, let's embrace them, both in the people who are already in our church family and in the people who we believe will come to be in our church family. Let's talk about those differences, let's learn about them, let's share what life has been for us and then let's be reconciled, be joined together and a holy temple. Amen.